Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. This season is almost to a close, so be sure to stay tuned for all my recap and reactions to the latest and greatest of the NFL, and also be sure to stay tuned for my preview episodes. More than likely, I'm just going to continue doing the format that I'm doing right now. I'm probably just going to have one episode per week because it is a lot harder to react to just fewer and fewer games coming up and also predicting fewer and fewer games. Obviously, it's you can't really just cram content and create content out of nothing when there's not too much to talk about. At the end of the day, it's still like one less game every single week until we get to the Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot harder to talk about one game for 30 minutes, so I don't really expect to do that. I'm probably going to just continue to make one episode per week until we get to that Super Bowl Sunday. And then again, the future's kind of up in the air right now. I, I still don't really know what we're going to do. Um, that's really up to you guys. If you guys do want to continue to have professional sports talk be around into the NBA season, into the NFL offseason, then be sure to... You know, follow this account, share with your friends, follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk. And seriously, guys, reach out to me and let me know that you want me to keep doing this because at the end of the day, this is for you guys. It's not really for me. Um, it's a lot of fun to do this, but it's a lot of work too. And if I'm not really getting the results out of it that I really want to, then there's not really a point in continuing to do this going forward. So again, it's all in your hands, guys. Just reach out to me, follow this account, follow my Instagram account at Professional Sports Talk and the rest will be decided in a couple weeks. With all that being said, let's get right into my reactions from wildcard weekend. I guess we can just go ahead, jump straight into it. We have the Raiders versus the Bengals. Let's start about let's start with this game talking about the Raiders, excuse me. Obviously their season's over, no shit, but I want to say I was absolutely wrong about this team. I got to give a lot of credit to them for even being in Cincinnati playing that day. I really didn't think this was going to be a playoff team before the season started. I really didn't see a whole lot of talent on this roster, and I really slept on them. I thought they were going to be a 6-7 to seven team, a win team, but they exceeded my expectations greatly. Uh, obviously, there are other teams that really disappointed me. But you got to give credit where it's due. The Raiders, they kept fighting. They kept battling. Even through all the adversity, they fought. It was just an amazing season for them, and Raiders fans should be very excited with the outcome of it. Even if it does end in a bittersweet defeat, you still got to be excited that you at least made the playoffs. You still got to have hope that hopefully Rich Passaccia will be back, but I'll get to that later. There was a lot to like if you're a Raiders fan this year. Now getting more into the logistics and the actual ins and outs of this game. Don't forget that the Raiders were down 3-20 to with a minute 30 to go in the first half, and then Carr drove them all the way down the field. I believe it was 80-yard drive with a touchdown to Zay Jones to cap it off. That really sent a message to the locker room about a couple things, in my opinion. One is any fan or anyone within the building that still doesn't think Derek Carr should be their franchise QB. I think you're wrong, just straight up. I, I, I think he is the franchise guy. I think he's more than proven himself to be the franchise guy. He played a, while not an elite game, he still played very, very well this year. I mean, he played better, in my opinion, than guys like Dak Prescott, who's getting, you know, a ridiculous amount of money right now. And sure, they got some help from the refs, uh, and then he threw a pick on fourth and goal to win the game. But it was still super impressive that they even had a shot at that. This is the Bengals in their own building that have a ton of swag around them that, you know, won their division and... Again, just a lot of credit to the Raiders for even being in position to tie up, possibly win this game. 
it's just very impressive what they were able to do. Another message I believe this sends is Bisaccia, Rich Bisaccia, as I was talking about earlier, I believe he absolutely has to come back. I'm telling you, if they keep their core together, get a better GM, Mayock is out now. Uh, good for them. I, I think that was the right move. He's whiffed on a ton of draft picks. Um, and and not, not the type of picks either where when they were taken, people were like, oh yeah, you can totally understand why that person would go in that position. It was more so the picks of like, why the hell did Cleveland Farrell go fourth overall? Why the hell did Alex Leatherwood get taken in the first round? It's more picks like that where even an average casual fan or someone as diehard as a real GM themselves would pretty much understand like, why would you make this pick? That makes no sense. It was a stupid pick at the moment, and a lot of these picks are looking like stupid picks now. And it cost him his job, especially the Cleveland Farrell pick. That was just an awful pick. We'll see how Leatherwood pans out. It is a little early for that. But even, I mean, even picks like Damon Arnett, Henry Ruggs was taken before guys like Justin Jefferson, which I didn't like. Uh, CD Lamb was in that draft as well. I didn't like that either. So just a lot of question marks and a lot of things that I think that he is fully deserving of being fired. But back, this is not about Mayock. This is more about Pisaccia, or Rich Pisaccia. He absolutely deserves a shot of coming back. He absolutely absolutely deserves a shot of leading these guys again. And I, I think I've completely fallen in love with the guy. He's a fucking amazing guy. He was handwriting letters to all his players after the loss. That is just... you. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that from a head coach. That is goddamn awesome. And, you know... This team has to have a lot of confidence going into the offseason, in my opinion. I mean, in from my point of view, I think they have to be thinking to themselves like, damn, if we can make the playoffs with all this bullshit going on, imagine us getting some better free agents from a better GM, adding some young talent to pair with Jacobs and Renfro and Waller, and then, of course, the defensive yeah, they're young defensive guys or sign guys like, you know, of course, Crosby, Yannick, Denzel Perryman, Trayvon Murray, guys like that. If you compare some, you know, better draft picks with that talent, this could be a very good team for, you know, some time to come here. And I think that, again, Raiders fans have to be excited about the future here. And please do the right thing, Raiders, and just bring Rich Pisaccia back. He absolutely earned it. Sorry if you can hear that dog barking. I'm just going to keep rolling with it because I don't think it's too loud. And I'm just going to hope they quiet off for a second. Let's talk about the Bengals really quick. This is their first playoff win in 31 years. Obviously, a lot. I'm sure everyone already knows that. Good shit for them. Of course, when you think of the Bengals, you think of offense. But first off, Jesse Bates had an absolutely crazy game. He's been one of the best safeties in the league for a couple years now. He was arguably having a down year. So for him to show up and show up this big in a moment like this, good for him. Of course, the Bengals came away beat up on their defensive line after this as well. Larry Ogunjobi out for the year. Same with Mike Daniels. Trey Hendrickson. Is that his name? Yeah, Trey Hendrickson is now questionable for next game, and he is going to be vitally important if they want to beat the Titans. He's been an absolute game changer for them all year, so it's going to be interesting to see what his status is the closer he gets to game time. I believe it was a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, so he could definitely play this weekend, but it all depends on whether or not he clears protocols. And sticking with the Bengals, just one more thing I want to say. Man, are Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow just stone cold killers. Them boys have swagger, serious, serious swagger. They have Mike Florio of Professional Sports Talk. I've mentioned him many, many times in the show. He nailed it exactly right. They don't even know what they don't know. They just have a confidence about them. They've got a swagger. They think they can be any single team in football. And 
they are looking like they might be able to. So it's going to be a great matchup between them and the Titans, which I'll get to later on in this episode. Let's quickly talk about the Patriots versus the Bills now. So the Bills scored early. Obviously, Mac Jones threw what looked to be a surefire touchdown. And I, while I was in the air, I was really thinking like, oh, shit, here we go. It's going to be 7-7. The Bills are going to get the ball back. Can the Patriots defense make a stop? Sure enough, no. <laughs> Micah Hyde had one of the best interceptions I've ever seen in my entire life. Just an incredible ability to track the ball down, show his amazing ball skills, come down with it, not even bobble the ball one little bit. Wide receivers have a hard time making a grab like that. And I mean, it was in the bucket. Nelson Aguilar was going to have no shot of dropping that thing. That was going to be a surefire six points. But no, Micah Hyde picked up ground, trailed, picked up a lot of ground from trailing, excuse me, Jumped up, made an amazing grab, and that really set the tone for the rest of the game. And then from then on, it was all Buffalo, all Josh Allen. And, of course, we know 7-for-7 seven seven on the touchdown drives never happened before in NFL history. And to do it against a Belichick defense, that is – Josh Allen, you just had one of the best games of history. Seriously, like one of the best games – I have ever seen from a quarterback. He just completely took over the game. I believe he was 20 for 24, something like an 80% completion rate, five touchdowns, 400 something yards, another 60 on the ground, something like that. Just absolutely ridiculous numbers from Josh Allen. And just watching this game was, what's the word? I mean, magical first off, but it was just a total tone setter for not only the rest of the AFC that the Buffalo Bills are coming and they're taking no bullshit from anyone, but also within the AFC East that there's a new king in town and the Patriots are still going to have to wait a little bit to get that crown back. I mean, Jesus, Josh Allen. This is exactly why I thought the Bills would win, but I had no idea he was going to play this out of his goddamn mind. If they can keep this core together and just keep adding solid talent through the draft, this could be the Bills division for a long, long time to come, and I'm very excited to see it. As far as the Patriots go... They need to add another receiver to this core. If they can get their hands on a guy like Devontae Adams or even Chris Godwin, that would be an absolutely massive upgrade and significantly bolster their offense. We know this defense is going to continue to be very good. I'm always going to trust them under Bill Belichick. And, I mean, there's not too much else to say here except, you know, the Patriots need another wide receiver. The Patriots are still a few years out. Their young quarterback should develop well enough. Mac Jones can clearly hit an open guy, so... Go get another weapon for him to toy around with. Let him develop well with that weapon. And if, again, not too much to say here, except extremely impressed with the Bills. And the question becomes, can they keep this momentum going on the road in Kansas City? Keep listening and find out if they think, if I think they will. Excuse me. All right, next game. This is, I believe, the first game of the weekend, actually. It was Eagles versus Buccaneers. If I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't watch too much of this game. Uh, I was working during this game, so I had to go back and watch a little bit of the film. But watching the film, I mean, it, it like, what, like, what are you gonna expect? The the Bucks just completely killed the Eagles. These teams are not on the same planes. This was not really supposed to be a game before it happened. I thought the Eagles were gonna keep it closer because they were gonna be able to run the ball a little bit. But the Bucks just looked like the Bucks of old, and they just completely shut down the run, which completely negated Jalen Hurts and that passing offense. It was like, you know, the thing is that's so good, I guess, so championship level about the Bucks is they force you to be one-dimensional. If they play this way against the Rams, 
Oh boy. I mean, I'll get to that later, so I'm not going to get too into this. Let's just keep talking about this game. My point is the Bucks run defense, if they play this well, Jesus, no, I don't know if anyone's going to beat them, but we'll see. Anyways, didn't watch too much of this game. The Bucks are still going to be very, very dangerous. I know the Eagles don't exactly scare teams, but I mean, again, they, they just dominated them. Eagles scored only their only points in the fourth quarter when the game was already long gone. Don't get me wrong, Brady played well, but again, their defense just looked extremely dominant in this one and played like one of the best units, if not the best unit overall of all wildcard weekend. They're getting healthy on that side of the ball at the very right time. And if you want to be a team like Green Bay, that's absolutely crucial, especially with the way they use their play action game and their passing game kind of builds off their run game, as most good teams tend to do. Um, I mean... Even with all the Bucks injuries to their offensive weapons, they still should be able to move the ball effectively against Green Bay. So the question really comes down to can they slow them down? And this is still one of the most complete rosters in football. A question I do have coming out of this is, is their O-line health, which against Aaron Donald and Von Miller and company, are they going to hold up? Are they going to be all right? Are they going to be what knocks down Brady and the Bucks because they just simply can't pass block some of these Rams defenders. And I I mean, Tristan Wirfs is injured in this one. Uh, their center, Ryan Jensen, I believe his name is, got a little beat up in this one. I know they both came back into the game, but it's looking like they're both going to be questionable for next week. That is serious. We know, <laughs> obviously, Brady can't exactly evade pressure all that well. He can shuffle around in pockets pretty well, but that's very different from straight up evading pressure. He's no Josh Allen or Mahomes, no one like that. And having that right tackle there, having that center there is going to be extremely crucial to if the Buccaneers can pull this off. Their O-lines has been one of, if not the best O-line in the entire league this year. And again, Brady is still Brady. He can't really move in there. It's going to be very important that they get these guys back. And if they can't, it's going to give the Rams a serious edge of going into Tampa and beating them. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And I'll get to that once I get there. <laughs> Moving on to the Eagles, Nick Sirianni comes out and already stated that Jalen Hurts is their guy going forward. But I think one of the questions has to be, is this the right move? Honestly, I don't really think so. You have so much draft capital in this year's drafts. I would try to go trade some of those picks and get a vet. Or you could draft one of these QBs to compete with Jalen, which I would not be opposed to either. I don't really see why you can't just take a shot at one of these guys. Cause again, they have three first round picks this year. That is a shit ton of draft capital to fuck around and play with. And after the end of the day, you know, prospects can be as surefire as they will. It's still a lottery ticket. It's still a risk. You still don't really know how it's going to pan out. So why not take a risk on one of these young quarterbacks and just see what you got? Why not? Right? Anyways, Let's, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I had a few more notes here about the Eagles, but I mean, what's there to really say? This team hopefully can continue to nail draft picks. Hopefully their O-line can continue to play dominantly and hopefully Jalen Hurts develops well. And then for Eagles fans' sakes, obviously, hopefully all these things happen. If you're an NFC East team fan, then you don't really hope any of this happens, but you know what I mean. We'll see what happens in the future. Not too much to say here. Kind of an unexciting playoff team, so... Yeah, whatever. All right, let's talk about the most exciting game of this weekend. Of course, it has to be. It was the closest game by a mile. 
Niners versus Cowboys. I'm very glad I got this prediction right. Of course, the story of the game has become the fiasco at the end of the game with the quarterback draw and the spotting of the ball and Dak running into the ref and blah, blah, blah. But let's back up a little bit. Let's just backtrack and talk about everything that built up to that point and why it even had to get that point in the first place. Because simply put, the Cowboys were a damn good team this year. The Cowboys had an own playoff game and it should have never gone to that point. So that's all I'm going to say for now. But let me just finish a thought really quick. It was 23-7 going into the fourth and that was absolutely no fluke. The Niners were pushing around the Cowboys on both sides of the ball. So the Cowboys got put in a hole early. And just like the Rams game against the Niners in San Francisco, it got magnified by that Dak Prescott pick. This is the type of game that Jerry paid him all that money for. And then fast forwarding to the whole fiasco at the end of the game, he had some absolute dipshit comments to say about the officiating after the game, which he essentially apologized for. Good for him because that was a dumbass thing to say. Uh, he said something like the fans were throwing stuff at the refs because the Cowboys were so heavily penalized, which by the way, Basically, all of them were fair. I, I mean, I could go back and watch all 14 penalties. I haven't, but I remember watching it live. I didn't think there was one that was particularly egregious. And, of course, Dak was the most annoyed at the umpire uh, running into him and not getting the ball set. But Dak has to know you got to hand it to him, dude. You can't just hand it to your center and expect your center to spot the ball. Honestly, that's not how this game works. You need to give it to a ref. The ref needs to spot the ball. It was just really stupid and really weird, and I'm glad he apologized for those comments, but that was so unlike Dak. He tends to be so good at the podium, and when he said that, I was I was pissed. It, it, it didn't need to be said. It shouldn't have been said, and it's not true, so it's just... And it was fucking rude. Like, a credit to the fans for throwing shit at the referees? Are you kidding me? That is like... So unclassy, so unlike him. And I'm sure Jerry and his coaches are not going to be happy about that one. I'm sure some of his teammates aren't going to be happy about that one. That was just a dumbass thing to say. And then, of course, it was a dumbass thing to fuck up that play. Why? Like, the play call itself, I don't think was that bad. I really don't. The QB draw to get the first down, I like, they're playing the sidelines. You, there's no way you're going to get out of bounds. I mean... It, it like I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it, you know, because I think he fucked it up. I think he should have stopped running earlier, slid, tried to get it to a ref, and try to have, you know, a couple seconds left on the clock to take a shot down to the end zone. Or you could have just kept the ball exactly where it was and taken a shot from there. Probably had two shots from there. So, again, I just don't really love that play call. Not that I absolutely hated it. I think it is getting too much hate. I don't think the draw was the problem. It was just entirely execution. And then, of course, Mike McCarthy comes out after the game and says, oh, we've practiced this. We've practiced this. We, uh, it happens in practice, you know. Well, in practice, does Dak just hand it straight to his center? Because that's not how it's going to be in game. If you're practicing it, you are clearly practicing it wrong. Yeah, but... Okay, enough of that about the fiasco at the end of the game. I'm sure you guys have already heard plenty about it, as as you should, because it was completely debacled. And either way, Dak can't take all the blame. I thought, because as I thought, um, Mike McCarthy was completely outcoached, let's be honest. It was, with all these penalties going down, with just the 
Shanahan run game in full effect. And by the way, Brandon Ayuk had a couple of blocks on Micah Parsons. Good for that guy. Micah really didn't like have too big of an impact on this game. And I was talking about him a lot before this game and what Kyle, Kyle Shanahan was going to do against Micah. And it was pretty similar to what I thought he was going to do. He had a moving one way. Pulled it back the other way. Micah had to cross an entire field. Micah didn't blow up too many blocks. He was double teamed on a few times. It was just very, very good execution by the Niners and very bad execution by the Cowboys. This is just a very talented team. And I think Mike McCarthy has to take a lot of the blame in this one. Of course, Dak does too. Dak did not play a great game at all, as I've mentioned. But, I mean, the Cowboys not only had 14 penalties by the end of the game, but, of course, they were just – completely out executed on basically all levels and yeah i mean i think that's enough about the cowboys i i can stop ranting about the cowboys they've they've got a lot of talent i think mike mccarthy shouldn't be a head coach there anymore and just a very disappointing loss if you're a cowboys fan if you're me you're not you know you're not disappointed at all you actually went exactly how you wanted it to and yeah you made some money this weekend so all is good, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, talking about the Niners just really quick. Um, just like a couple seasons ago, Jimmy Garoppolo is still looking like he's going to handicap this team. Luckily for him, the rest of the Niners' talent helped him out, as did Shanahan. But he didn't play well in this game at all. I really think that... Um, whoa. I really think they... Could, sorry, I just completely lost track of my notes here. I was just ranting on my own for a second. Um, I really think they could give the Packers some problems next year. I mean, next week, excuse me, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Let's quickly talk about the Chiefs versus the Steelers. I don't think there's too much to say here uh, because this, was again, wasn't much of a game. Of course, the Steelers got up early due to the absolute brilliance of TJ Watt. And then everyone at home was kind of thinking, wait, maybe, holy shit, can the Steelers do this? Uh, yeah, no, no, they can't. Mahomes went on to throw five touchdowns in 11 minutes and 31 seconds. That is just fucking absurd and that is like the Mahomes of the playoffs a couple years ago where they went down what was it like what was it 24 21 nothing to the Texans and then before you know it they were just they were kicking ass like 54 to 24 just like that it, it just looked exactly like that Jarek McKinnon played amazing in this game in Clyde's absence his ability after the catch should be very interesting to see what he can do against the Bills and those linebackers. And then, of course, there was Kelsey, who also shined very bright in this game, making a couple huge plays in the receiving game, which we're very used to seeing, and also having a big touchdown pass. Uh, just a great performance by him. We are getting two electric offenses coming together in KC next week, and I could not be more excited. As far as the Steelers go, Big Ben's journey comes to an end. Been saying this for some time now, but bolster that O-line Pittsburgh. Try to get some of these young quarterbacks out of the draft or bring in a vet, and you guys are going to be just fine. And another thing I got to say is people are talking about, oh, is their future quarterback already in the building? Hell no. We know that by now. Let's be honest. If Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins was their guy going forward, I feel like they would have either already played this year or I don't know. I just, I, I just can't imagine it's going to be one of those guys. I feel like we know already is what I'm trying to say. I feel like we really would. Okay, final game. Uh, obviously going over that last one really quick because there's just not too much to talk there. Chiefs offense got a lot of their swagger back. Mahomes went absolutely butt shit crazy. Um, and the Steelers, you know, 
they're lucky they're even there. And TJ Watt is absolutely fucking amazing. Enough said. Moving on to the Cardinals versus the Rams. Again, not too much to say here because wasn't too much of a game. This game was, I mean, it, honestly, it really felt like oh, completely over within the first 10 minutes. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm such a fucking sucker for believing in Kingsbury and Kyler and the, Ra- and excuse me, and the, I almost said the Ravens. Why did I, different bird. And the Cardinals in this one. Uh, because I thought, you know, maybe Stafford was going to fuck up and make some problems. And, you know, that was stupid. The the Cardinals can't stop the run. The Rams just ran it down their fucking mouth, got in their heads so early. It was like you could f- visibly see it on a lot of those players' faces that the just sheer panic. Like they were getting pushed around in the run game. And then that opened up everything in the passing game. And... Man, I mean, they just looked, the Cardinals, this is, just looked so inexperienced. Cliff Kingsbury was completely outcoached. Kyler Murray looked like he was, the first time he really looked like truly small out there. There was a few times where his size really affected things. And the Rams experience just really, really showed heavily in this one. Not only did Von Miller and OBJ impact this game very, very heavily, um, through you know a couple big catches from OBJ down the sideline, a touchdown grab from him. Von Miller had a sack in this one, um, but the cards just again just visibly looked shook after the second touchdown. Kyler threw just a couple of duck balls, threw a horrible, horrible Matthew Stafford like pick six. Actually, Stafford threw like basically the exact same pick against the Titans. If you remember that, um, it looked so similar. They were like getting spun around and. Just sometimes just take the take, take the two points, man. Just it's better than six, let's be honest. Um that was just horrid. Anyways, we've seen this practically every single year with Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, that's a fucking I don't know why I always struggle with that dude's name. He starts hot, and then as more coaches get film on him, they figure out what he's trying to do. At the end of the year comes and he comes crashing back down to earth. We have to account that McVeigh has only lost one game against the Cardinals since his time in LA, and that's no coincidence. I guess the big question for me coming out of this game about the Cardinals directly is if is Kingsbury's job safe? I don't know. Should it be safe? I don't know. He's like 24, 24, and one since he's been the Cardinals head coach. Uh, I don't think he should be safe. I think he should be on the hot seat. I really do. I, I just, I haven't been impressed at all from what he's been putting up. And again, if you're starting that hot and you come crashing and burning consistently at the end of every year, that means teams are figuring you out. It sucks to say it, but it's true. Sorry, Cardinals fans. I really love a lot of the talent you guys hear. I think if Kingsbury is fired, it's going to be a very, very, very attractive head coaching job with all the talent you guys have on your roster. But I don't think Kingsbury is the answer there long-term. Just going out of limb and saying it. Either way, these are the type of games the Rams went and spent all that draft capital and money on, and it's paying off now. The Cardinals will be back here. They're still a very young, talented team. But again, I don't think Kingsbury is the answer. Let's get into my preview of the four games this weekend that I'm so fucking pumped for. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Bengals versus the Titans. Let's start here. The story here, as alluded earlier, is the Bengals D-line, and it seriously could be a great hinder to this matchup. As we know, King King Henry excuse me, should be back in this one. I just hope we can see the Titans the way we wanted to see them the whole year. I want a healthy A.J. Brown, a healthy Julio Jones, and a healthy Derrick Henry all on the field at the same time because if you're just a fan of football, 
Why would you not like to see that? That'd be fucking awesome. Combining this with their destructive, just absolutely monstrous defensive line they have and the underdog complex they have adopted within the last few weeks because, you know, not a whole bunch of people are talking about them, even though they are the number one seeds. They're not really an underdog ever, but you get my point. This team should be well-rested and prepared to kick some ass. If you've listened to this podcast, you guys know how much I love Mike Vrabel. I think he's a completely different tier and just a much better coach than Zach Taylor. And I think the Titans are going to be able to control the trenches on both ends. Bengals O-line, although better than I thought, this Titans D-line is still just absolutely fucking gross, as I was talking about earlier. Led by Big Jeff, Harold Landry, D'Amico Autry, these guys should be able to consistently pressure Burrow and slow down Joe Mixon in the running game. I think that's where all their success starts in this game. Of course, I was talking about the swagger and the killer mentality that Burrow and his boys have up there in Cincinnati. That does make me a little nervous to pick the Titans in this one, but because of Mark Vrabel, because of that D-line, and of course because of the Bengals' D-line being beat up, I really like the Titans to win and cover in this one. A little bit of a quicker explanation there, but I'm trying not to overthink it too much. I don't want to get into the whole thick of it. The Bengals are still a very young team. They're going to be back here again. They're going to have many shots at this again. They've got a very, very good young core, between, just between, I mean, Burrow's a franchise guy. That's that's as long as you got Burrow around, you're gonna, always gonna have a shot. He's that impactful. But I just think the Titans are being well rested, being so well coached, and extremely motivated to prove to the rest of the league that they are and very worthy of being the number one seed. Again, I think they win in cover by more than three and a half points. Not too much though. I've got them winning 27 to 21 Tennessee. Moving on to Green Bay versus San Francisco. This is a rematch. Of that famous eight-pass game by Jimmy G where the Niners rolled their way to the Super Bowl. So, there's a few matchups. I'm really looking forward to this one. In this one, excuse me. And the first and possibly most importantly is Shanahan's run game versus Green Bay's run defense. Green Bay's run defense in terms of yards per carry is actually the second worst in the league. They're averaging 4.7 yards per carry. That is not good at all. And this Shanahan run game, as we know, is extremely effective effective they are extremely physical Debo Samuel unlocks a whole bunch of things for that run game on top of Elijah Mitchell you know doing his thing in there so it's gonna be very interesting to see what adjustments Green Bay will make to slow that down that run game and allow their offense to have more time on the field if they don't make some adjustments and find ways to slow down this run game they could be in trouble seriously the next matchup i'm really looking forward to in this one is the niners d line versus the packers o line that is getting healthier and getting some studs back in billy turner and david bakhtiari this is where Nick Bosa's status becomes extremely crucial. He's got a concussion, or excuse me, he had a concussion late in the second quarter in Dallas where he was dominating before he went out in that game. So if the Niners get him back, could they pressure Rodgers enough to slow him down? It will definitely be interesting to see if the Packers, or excuse me, it will definitely be interesting to see if the Packers can. The Packers are currently tied for eighth in sacks allowed, which is obviously very good. And they're getting some of those studs back. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this very, very physical and big as shit, honestly, Niners D-line is going to be able to do against this Packers offensive line. The final matchup in this game that I'm really looking forward to and ultimately why I think the Packers are going to win this one is, of course, Rodgers versus Garoppolo. More importantly, can Jimmy G limit his mistakes and not miss as many throws? Because we know Aaron Rodgers just makes so few mistakes and misses so few throws that 
I think that's going to be the real difference in this one. I think that's why, and of course, home field advantage in Lambeau Field helps a lot in that cold weather. I think the Packers are going to pull this one out 28 to 25. So that does mean that I have, wait, 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 is it covering? Yeah, yeah, six, six points. Yeah. So that does mean I have San Francisco covering. So I've got the Titans covering their spread against the Bengals and I have San Francisco covering their spread against the Packers, but the Packers still winning. Excuse me, I've got something in my throat. I'm going to take a little sip of water really quick. All right. Next matchup, we got the Rams versus the Bucks. This is the matchup to... I mean, god damn it. Hold on. Hold on, guys. <coughs> Jesus Christ. Whew. All right. Sorry, I was eating something before this. And I can feel it stuck in my throat again. Whew. All right, Rams versus Bucks. We're good. The matchup to watch in this one, as I already talked a lot about earlier, is the Bucks offensive line versus the Rams defensive line. If Stafford can limit his mistakes and the Rams can get consistent pressure on Brady, they could certainly win this game. Also, I cannot wait to see what Todd Bowles pulls out of his hat to deal with the Rams' weapons on the perimeter because, as I've stated earlier, I think the Bucks are going to be able to make the Rams' offense one-dimensional. I think their front seven alone can certainly slow down the run game of the Rams, and that's going to be extremely critical to them winning this game. I believe Stafford only threw the ball 20 times last week, and that's really what... That's going to be the formula for the Rams to win. That's going to be the formula for the Rams going forward. They're going to be a run first team and they're going to let the pass build off of it. That's when Stafford's at his best. That's when their offense as a whole is at their best. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the Rams can get a solid run game going in this one against Tampa's D-line, which is obviously one of the best run-stuffing defensive fronts in the NFL. It's going to be very interesting to see what goes on there. And again, I don't expect the Rams run game to be completely negated but once it's slowed how will Stafford step up and control this game he's gone he's going to have to be throwing the ball a lot more in this game than he did last week and will he be able to outdoor out duel Brady frankly he has better weapons he probably has a better roster as a whole I, maybe not maybe not maybe not that's that's a little far he definitely has better offensive weapons I'll say that that's kind of not arguable in my opinion and if Werfs can't play in this one he probably has a better offensive line in this game but again can't count out the goat and I just think that the Rams offense is going to be weighed one-dimensional from this elite Bucks run defense and I think that's seriously going to hinder the Rams as a whole um, I think if they are going to win this game it's going to be through their defense it's going to be through their pass rush it's going to be through Vaughn Miller Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd getting to Brady without some of his starting offensive linemen. But if Tristan Wirfs is playing in this one, I think a lot differently about that, and I don't think it'll be as close. Either way, I don't really think it matters too much. Again, I just think that the – just once again, it really, really does come down to just the Bucks front seven and slowing down the run of the Rams. And from then, Matthew Stafford having to take over this game with his arm, I just really don't think he's going to be able to do it. And I think that's ultimately why – the Bucks are going to pull out with the win in this one. I still think it's going to be a, a very good game. Don't get me wrong. I think it could be one of those classics that we look back on and defines, you know, Brady's run in Tampa Bay and possibly pushes him to another Super Bowl, even though I don't really know if they're going to go into Green Bay and win, but we'll talk about that once we get there. Give me the Bucks 27 to 24. Boom. Final game I got here. The game I am most excited about this weekend 
Fuck yeah. Just say that right now. Fuck yeah, this game is going to be so fucking hype. I'm fucking pumped if you can't tell. Chiefs versus Bills. Let's fucking go. These are the most fun quarterbacks to watch in the entire league. Obviously a rematch of the AFC Championship game last year. It's going to be so fucking fucking exciting. I'm so pumped for this game. I cannot wait for this goddamn game. Um, this is like the type of matchup you wait to see, especially in the playoffs. Obviously, it was one thing when these teams met in the regular season in week five. That was a long time ago. These teams have gone through a whole lot since then. They've had ups and downs since then. And man, I am fucking pumped. I can't explain it enough. I'm so excited for this game, mostly because I'm not working during this hour so I can actually sit down and watch this game with my dad. Um, as I normally do on Sunday evenings, maybe some of the boys will come over, drink some beers, whatever point is, this is going to be fucking awesome. I think it's going to come down to which quarterback makes less mistakes. And in correlation to that, which defensive coordinator can confuse the other young quarterback more. I mean, I don't even know what to say about this game. I'm just so fucking excited. I can't, I can't wait for this game. It should be a fireworks show. One thing I do want to see from Mahomes, though, is he needs to be able to trust his pockets. He tends to leave them too early, and he's done it quite consistently. It's also going to be very interesting to see how these teams approach their running games because neither team really runs it very often, as we know. But when they do, they've been sneaky effective. They've, they've been able to have some success in both their run games. And I really, really wouldn't be surprised if both teams or one of, the, one of the two teams rely on it to keep the opposing offense off the field and their defense fresh because it's going to be a track meet out there. Whoever's defense is in better shape <laughs> is going to have a lot better time and whoever's offense is you know feeling more fresh, um, being able to sustain drives longer and keep the opposing offense cold, I think it's going to be a big difference in this game. If Josh Allen plays at all to the level that he did last weekend, I think the Bills are going to be... I mean, they should win this one, honestly. And they're going to be so motivated from last year uh, losing in Kansas City. And they're going to want to show the rest of the AFC that they are the team to beat. So I think you guys know where this is going. I think the Bills are going to pull this one off. Obviously, this is exactly what Vegas wants me to be saying because the Kansas City Chiefs are favored in this one by a point and a half. And the Bills absolutely kick the Patriots' ass. So that's like the real, you know, hook in the fish if you will to get everyone's money on the bills to win the super bowl on the bills to win their next game against kansas city so again if kansas city pulls it off and wins this one not like i'm going to be surprised i'm not going to be surprised if i get every single one of these picks wrong i'm really not these the, the, but that's how it should be it's the playoffs it's the last eight teams these these games should be very competitive like that and it should be more you know up in the air of who's going to win it shouldn't be very lopsided like you know a few of the fucking games last week that were just blowouts frankly but my point is i think the bills have something magical rolling i think they're filled with confidence i think josh allen is playing out of his goddamn mind and i think they pull it off in kansas city give me the bills 35 to 31 hopefully vegas doesn't take my money and run with it although i again i, I can't say i'd be surprised they're they're setting it up greatly here for a bunch of people to get their money taken. I'm willing to bet most of the betting money is on the Bills this week after the absolute ass whooping they gave Bill Belichick and his Patriots. Anyways, guys, that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you can't tell, I am so fucking pumped for this weekend, particularly that Bills-Chiefs game. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends and family. Follow my Instagram account at Professional Sports Talk. If you want more Professional Sports Talk after this NFL season, again, reach out to me. Let me know you're enjoying the content. The best thing you can do is just listen up, get through the entire episode because, again, I can see all the statistics behind it. I can see how far you get and all that good shit. Um, so, yeah, I really do appreciate it if you got this far in the episode. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night, day, whatever it is, whenever you're listening to this. Peace out, guys. Have a great one.